and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. Returning on the pod is expert analyst and coach Ben Clark. On this episode, we'll look back at a sparse weekend of racing for all the women's races from Val d'Isère were cancelled due to bad weather conditions and the men's downhill from Val Gardena also being a casualty of the poor weather conditions. Ben, not a lot of skiing going on last weekend. It must be pretty frustrating for the athletes. Yeah, especially for the women, an entire weekend of racing cancelled for them, which isn't isn't great news. Um, again, Schifrin's ability to pick which races she will and won't do uh, seems to work out pretty well for her yeah, because like, no like, one's no yeah. one's gained any no one's gained any points on her in any disciplines. Yeah, I know Lady Luck on Schifrin's side after a poor outing in um, Courchevel didn't go all her own way there, did it? No, no, she struggled quite a bit in Courchevel, definitely not the Schifrin we're used to seeing. No, and then took that time off, because she, I think she picked up a bit of a bug, obviously hadn't gone well in Courchevel, so she took that off. And then uh, all the ladies racing were cancelled, which is pretty tough. I think it's frustrating when they would have travelled, I mean I know that a lot of them would have been in Courchevel, so it wouldn't have just been a case of um, them just coming over to Valdez, but obviously the speed Speed girls would have come just in for Valdezé and they just had a nice weekend of hanging out in the uh, snowstorm and yes. turned around and gone home. It's nice for us watching the still photos go up of how much snow there is in resorts, but when you're racing, you really want the snow there before you get there and yeah. you want it nice and clear when you are. But there seems to be quite a lot of storms floating around and obviously with the women's being cancelled was one thing, but then the men's was lots of waiting around between runs. Yeah, so the men's were ra- men were racing over in Val Gardena in Sud Tyrol in Italy. Um, the plan was Super G Friday, downhill Saturday, GS Sunday, and then parallel on the Monday. So we managed to get the Super G away, uh, and it took that's about about three hours, I think, pretty much to get it off. They they ran three people. Then there was a big hold for weather as they waited for some cloud to go away. That took forever. Then they sent another four or five and then had an hour's delay until they started the race again. Yeah, as you can imagine, my recording of that race whilst I was at work didn't go out too well. I forgot <laughs> to see darts. The... <laughs> I got a bit of darts, a bit of snooker um, and th- three World Cup races um, at the start. <laughs> Fortunately, I've caught up on the on the highlight show, so I've got to see most of the action. But it is, it's really hard to keep track of what's going on. And the race looked really challenging um, very much a case of if you got the best of the conditions, you could actually see where you were going. Yeah. You could really attack a lot more. And it's quite interesting watching some of the guys race. I mean, we've skied in bad conditions before, but it's it's something in your subconscious. You don't realise how much you're holding back till you see someone else go down with better light and then you realise just how much more you could have pushed. When you're doing it, it feels like you're going flat out and you're not thinking too much about the conditions. But clearly... There are people holding back when you saw some of the times. You just lose a bit of that sort of feeling, that bit of that, um, I don't know, the fluidity of it. I think when it, the weather gets bad, you tend to just, it's the little bits that have the big effect. You're still, yeah, right, I'm going to race, time to take some risks. You know, everybody else, the whole sort of, you know, the chat you have with your coaches about making sure, you know, this is your time to shine. There'll be races backing off here and it'll be you. you know, if you can push harder, you're going to make up some extra places here and all that sort of stuff. And you can really walk away from the race with a good result and they try and put this positive spin on it but it's so easy just to have a little bit of negative but Kriechmeier walked away with the uh, best time uh, Jansrud only five hundredths behind really nice to see Jansrud back towards the sharp end uh, and then Tommy Dressen was a little bit of a surprise on the third place position but I mean a little bit of a surprise I mean he wins in downhill so it's not a huge surprise 
that Super G isn't his preferred discipline, and he and he skied really well, only point two two off. Yeah, with it being, I think, another shortened speed race, which seems to be the theme so far for this year, with the with the start being moved down because of the the, the poor visibility. Um, there are a lot of really close people, so obviously, yeah, you said Jan was was only five hundredths off, but within a second, if we fit the first nineteen people in the race, all within one second of of the winner. Um, Creekmire looked on on great form. Um, I think at the the time he came down, um, I think Caviezzo had, had set the early pace uh, in one of those first few before the first break happened. Uh, Paris was a bit of a casualty, having to wait that forty minutes before he got his his run underway. Obviously, he wouldn't have been in the gate the whole time, but it must be really hard once you're ready to go. We talked about it before with when there are crashes on the course, mm. um, but it must be really hard when you're never quite sure when the fog's going to clear. It must be quite hard to really switch off and back on again. You're always burning some part of nervous energy waiting. Yeah, with with an, an accident or you know a course hold because the gates come out or nets have got an issue, you can. You can see when it's going to happen. You get a countdown. You know it's going to be clear in five. It's going to take five minutes for the helicopter to come in, or you can see the helicopter coming. You know he's about to leave, sort of thing. Whereas obviously with the weather, you're literally just waiting until you get the course clear from the bottom. So the guy at the finish area will be like, "Yeah, well, it's fine down here." The guy two, you know, a third of the way up will be brilliant, and then there's a guy in the middle saying, "Can't see a thing." Yeah. And so it's just a, a vicious waiting game, and um, I think to be honest, they were really lucky. I think it was a theme with the, all of the races whether it was in Val Gardena for the speed race or Alta Badia for the, the tech races I think um, they did Fizz and uh, Alta Badia and Val Gardena did a really really good job in actually getting some racing away because the winds were warm the snow conditions were tough the weather conditions in general like we said with the fog were really really difficult so actually we were lucky to get some racing away yeah, and so going back to Creek Mice Run, interestingly, in comparison to some of the other guys, his his top section was quite slow. He really built the speed as he went down. He, I think he was behind on most of the top splits and really came through the bottom section with an absolute ton of speed and just got faster and faster, whereas other people were up on the top splits on his times quite a lot and then just losing pace at the bottom. For Super it didn't seem like a particularly steep, Piece. I don't know because they took the top section out. Whether that's where the steeps no, are, but it, it, isn't, it no. looked quite a. Obviously, the conditions were hard, but the piece didn't look anywhere near as hard as I'm used to seeing Val Gardena. It might just be because it's it was one of those days where you were concentrating so hard on picking people out of the mist that you didn't take into account how difficult or easy the the slope was looking. Yeah, the piece there isn't actually very difficult in terms of vertical drop and challenging sections to the the piece in terms of its pitch. It isn't a challenging race hill. I mean, especially with the lowered start, uh, you're you know you start just above that um, flat section into where the camels are. If you're thinking about the downhill run, but then they obviously they go round the camel bumps because otherwise again you're just cutting out you know 40 meters worth of flight time by going straight over the camels. So they go round the camels and then it's quite flat. And the the, the real skill of Val Gardena is dealing with the terrain, dealing with that chancellat section, which is the one where it's got loads of rolls, whether it's you know forward and back rolls or sideways or you know big fallaways, big banks, and so that's the challenge. But normally it is the challenge because it's normally bulletproof there yeah. because of the where the sun comes round. It takes a while for the sun to come round the mountain, which is why actually in Val Gardena you tend to get a few guys from the tail end of the field coming in with some good performances. It's one of those sort of typical. Uh, where you where you have to wait until right near the end to see if you know if your position is going to count. That's where uh, Conrad Bartelski got his second place. He was starting later in the race, got some great weather, and put down a really good run, and obviously to come second for the Brits. Um, but it's one of those section, one of those pieces. 
that with the softer conditions, it just took all the sort of the skill out of because uh, because you'll be coming through those bumps in the terrain with a load more speed normally. It was a bit more tame, so actually the piece itself wasn't that tricky, which is why you're seeing really tight gaps. Yeah, a couple of surprises in terms of people who, who didn't probably go as, as well as we might have thought. Odomat, who looked like skiing uh, in difficult conditions the other weekend, could put down a really fast time, was, was surprisingly really slow. I don't know whether that was more of a, a, a technician issue or just he couldn't let his skis go because he couldn't see where they were going confidently enough. He was a, he was a quite quite a long way back uh, this weekend after putting in that absolute monster performance yeah. uh, the week before. Um, Foyt's down in in ninth. Um, might have suffered a bit of an injury as well. In that was it in the downhill training he had. Yeah, his, he, his hand? he's um, broken his fifth metacarpal, so <sighs> bone in his hand, which um, he'll be fine to carry on racing. They're not going to put him in a cast. They're just going to strap him up and make sure he's. Um, Duct tape your hand to your pole. Yeah, approach. exactly. Yeah, Excellent. one of those. So he's uh, yeah, a little bit disappointing, I'm sure. Yeah, but like you said, Jansrud looks much more like his old self. Really strong, really powerful. His top section uh, was the the reverse of was Creek Mice. It was absolutely lightning. Yeah. He had one mistake probably about halfway down that I think cost him cost him the win. He just struggled to get back in the right position from there on, but obviously held on to enough of the speed to, to claim the second place. But it's much more like the skiing we expect from him. Obviously we saw that performance in the World Champs, um, bringing him right back to form. But again started a bit slow to the season by by his standards. Yeah, by, yeah it's already <laughs> we, yeah. we say when people are uh, not a great seat start to the season by their standards, this is when we're used to them winning most weeks of the yeah, season. Yeah. Uh, and then that brings us on to the Saturday's downhill, which was cancelled. The weather, you couldn't see a thing. It snowed bucket loads overnight, so the organisers made a call pretty early on just to f just to sort of scrap that one and cut it out so that we could run, uh, keep safe with the athletes. And then so we moved over to Altabadia for the Sunday for the Giant Slalom, and um, safe to say that was tough. It was tough. It was another lower start. You don't get those in, in, in GS as often. Um, made it a bit, of a, a bit of a sprint GS. Um, but again, the I think it was the Norwegian coach. They said they'd set the first course, and considering the visibility was virtually zero at times, it was a really tough set for those conditions. I thought perhaps with the conditions being so tough, both underfoot um, in terms of some fresh snow, some warm snow, like you were saying with the warm winds, and then some ice where the either salt or the ice bar prior to the warmth coming will have been down really changeable all the way down you don't know how sharp to have your edges you're not quite sure where to have them tune the most um, so I thought the course set would possibly be um, a bit easier but it was a really really tough course we had the um, blind roller gate and the and then the jump just afterwards it's more of a cutaway than a jump yeah, but drop down. people still get in air um, but yeah the uh, the blind roller on both courses really caused some hassle but on the first run you know the likes of Ligeti just really misreading the line and missing gates. Like you don't see people like Ligeti making mistakes like that. No, I think you, well, you, when you're talking about the snow conditions, it was yes, they injected the the piece prior as they always do. Then the warm wind came in, and then they salted the hell out of it to try and make sure they had some sort of um, firm <laughs> condition <laughs> underfoot, and it worked to a certain extent, but it just made it so bumpy. Because, like you say, there was bits which were super slick, super icy, and then there were other bits that were just holes that were soft and it didn't really work. So it really meant that the you saw 
the guys that had a good touch in terms of like a softer outside leg still being able to absorb the bumps and being able to move through the terrain as opposed to somebody like Ligeti or Tommy Ford who uh, has a has a longer outside leg tends to ski with a stiffer outside leg and that just means that anytime you then hit a bump with a stiff outside leg means that obviously that just reverberates up the whole of your body whereas somebody with a more supple like a Jan Kranjek or you know obviously somebody like Christofferson who's known for that touch on their skis meant that he was able to deal with the terrain that he couldn't see because that sort of outside leg is constantly working as a shock absorber as opposed to just out there and brute strength bringing it round which obviously that's the American style for those two anyway. Yes it's it's really tough to find the balance in there because when it's bumpy you, you do need a lot of strength to hold your body position you can't just be passive because you will just be bounced around and as a slightly smaller person I've got a lot of respect for the way Christofferson can ski in those conditions because you've got to have enough strength that you're still cutting a clean turn and accelerating but also not try and overpower so some of the commentary was saying oh there's some of the bigger guys and more powerful guys like Kilda might have done really well um, and and Nesfeld Hogan after the first run he did but if you're relying too much on just powering yourself through bad yeah. conditions, it can it can go against you as well. I think for me, when I was racing in bad conditions, I tended to go straighter because you you just I just go in there and just dump a load of power out the gate and hope that that was enough because I didn't <laughs> want to be bouncing around, didn't <laughs> want to be bouncing around through uh, ruts all over the show. But um, so Christofferson, good sec- good first run. I think it was in about sixth or something, and then great second run. Then surprise second place was uh, Sarazin of France, who moved up from mid-twenties, I think it was. You've got the, the, the number there. Yeah, and he then, was 22nd. Yeah, uh, and with an absolute belter of the second run. And then uh, Jan Kranjek just managing to uh, hang on in there and take a step, the last step on the podium. Yeah, some absolutely brilliant skiing from Christofferson on the second run. He really showed a little bit why I think he was uh, my pick for one of the... Valdez Air races is because on, when it is really hard skiing, he does have a, a much better touch than you realise at times. And like I just said, the, the strength to hold himself in the right position as well. Obviously, Sarazan using the conditions um, on the second run there, it was when those first few guys went down a lot clearer visibility and obviously a clean track, but you still got to set the fastest run. It's all well and good making the flip and being in that early yeah. early start group. You've then got to do going, something yeah. with it, yeah. like, we, well, like we saw Alex Tilly do um, a few weeks ago, um, and we've seen Dave do in the slalom from time to time. So um, he did an absolutely flying second run. And, and Kranich was... I really enjoyed Kranich's run as well. He's starting to show a bit of the form he showed in glimpses of a few years yeah. ago. He's coming back from, from another bunch of injuries, which a lot of the guys are. Um, so it was, it was was it was really good to see... Him performing yeah the Slovenians are apparently starting to really really get behind him and they I think they've altered how they're putting money into into his program and because I believe from the outside is that they you know he's obviously very good he's I think second or third in the standings in giant slalom overall tour standings now uh, and there isn't a lot around him in terms of teammates so he's obviously him right at the pinnacle and then the, the next sort of Slovenians are, are finding it hard to be consistent within the top 30 so I think they've gone do you know what if we're going to get behind somebody it's this guy and it's right now because he's right at the sharp end so I'm really pleased that it's, it's working out for him and like I've said multiple times before I love the way that guy skis I could watch him ski GS all day long so we've gone from somebody that had a great day 
to uh, somebody that had a rubbish day off the back of his first World Cup win on home snow. Tommy Ford down in 20th place. I do think that's a bit like I just spoke about with the way that he skis mm-hmm. uh, and, t- and those conditions really, really didn't pay off for him there. Yeah, it didn't suit him. He didn't look comfortable on, on either run. Um, I, I mean, I think we said after the last uh, review podcast, it'll be interesting to see if he can transfer that form onto European snow. But I think... It's definitely far too early to say because it's just so... Races in those kind of conditions are so hit and miss. He could yeah. have just got a really bad timing with the start yeah. um, and his his style just doesn't quite suit it. So I think we'll wait until we see some better yeah. conditions before we make See if he can see how well he does when he can see where he's going. Um, also, when it was good to see Marco Schwartz uh, in, in yes. six coming back. Yeah, he's hit really well, actually, didn't he? Yeah. Especially with a bad knee. I mean, coming back from his knee. It's coming, he's coming back from injury and it, it's not talked about very much like some some athletes it gets talked about when they're coming back from injury and it's a long road back whereas a, a lot of the the talk around Schwartz is why isn't he winning yet this year rather than it's going to take some races for you to feel confident in that knee again yeah but I wonder if it's something to do with the Austria you know Austria Austria having no here again no here but banging on we'll be banging on that about forever so if you're bored of hearing that already I'm afraid <laughs> that you're going to hear that for a long time but you and, know and no here so yeah. Yeah. yeah so you've got no here there so the Austrians uh, itching for a, a winner and and no failure as well no although he back. may not have really shown a huge amount of consistency over yeah, the so years case he of could Marco still Schwarz. now come on let's go <laughs> exactly and and because he had those couple of wins last year i think people feel like he's further along in his career than he than he probably is yeah because those when he like when he started at the end of last season before the injury it was only a real short time where he was the man you know he was pushing Hirscher every day every day in every race and so then he he got a couple of great results, really finding form, and then got injured. So it wasn't even like he had a ta- time to sort of establish that sort of form. So I think to get back to that's going to be tricky. And but then to ski like he did on the way back from injury with a bad knee through those ruts and bumps, I think he did really well. Uh, and Lexi Pantero didn't have I mean, a great day. I mean, yeah, didn't have a great day, eighth position. But um. You know, again off the back, I know it was slalom that he dominated in Val d'Isère, but you think he seems he seems very hit and miss at the yeah, moment. Yeah, after yeah, exactly. us kind of saying for a while how consistent he was last year, once he got into his rhythm, this year he seems to either be winning races or having a pretty bad day. Yeah, this right. is probably the most average day he's had so far. <laughs> I think the others he's, he's either been way off or, or 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 not in the mix at all. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but what we did see, we saw. Um, Marco Odomat picking up an injury. So he was in pieces in the finish area, hunched over, then he was stretched out of the finish area, holding onto his uh, right knee. And it turns out, as of uh, social media today, he said that he's done... He's had some meniscus, meniscus removed. Yeah. yeah. And so he's hoping, because it's not major surgery, it's a case of just, you know, it's not a reconstruction, they're just they're cutting a bit out and, and then having to wait for that, obviously, to settle down. He's hoping that he's going to be back towards the tail end of this season but uh, a I mean, real shame he's had he's had a lot of injuries before and he's, only, he's so young though it's di- really difficult you see the best yeah. in the business Hirscher very very rarely injured they had that one injury which was just a silly training accident where he tripped over a, yeah. a stubby basically I think that's the thing like when you're you know we talk about consistency and time on the track and being around the best in the world for a long time is such a benefit when you're picking up so many injuries so young you just you can just see uh, gen- it's, it's genetics I think some people are, some people uh, their bodies are 
almost bomb proof and so you know, obviously then others pick up injuries a bit more readily it'd, it'd be really interesting to understand what these guys do away from the sport not just like strengthening but how they work with all of the various muscle groups and stability groups I mean cross when training they, when they showed the the replay of, of Odomat he was really being bounced around and, and I think we'll possibly come on to some some comments from Christofferson about whether the race should have even happened or not but just how yeah cross training and just the overall rather than just concentrating on like strength in terms of power but that ability to to be um, stable and flexible and, and having things whether it's, it's, just whether it's it? yoga or yeah. something else like a lot of athletes in a lot of different sports are really kind of pushing conventional boundaries and yeah. what they do to keep especially joints I mean muscle tears are one thing but if, you're, if your ligaments and your joints are constantly Absolutely. having trouble as a ski racer that's, that's you know terrifying um, so we move on to some comments from Christofferson yet, yet again uh, sticking his sticking his Ooh. neck out. Uh, so he was quoted as saying after the race. So his post race interview, he was uh, spoke very eloquently. He was really positive. You know, he was very pleased to be back. He said that the organisers had done a great uh, load of work to, to make sure we got the races off. And then post race, he was then quoted as saying, "It's really on the limit if it should be okay to ski a race like this." I don't really blame the people of Alta Badia because they are doing what they are told from Fizz, but it's not a club race, it's a World Cup. Um, but I don't know what he expected. They did bloody good work to get that race off. And what does he want? No race at all? Uh, and and why, why does he think a Fizz race or a club race means that you should be chucking people down that you shouldn't be doing to us precious World Cuppers. I don't really understand. He just walked away with a win. He skied well. Take that. You know, use that as a positive. Yeah, everybody's been bounced around. Everybody's had a tough day. But it's World Cup. You're supposed to show your skills on rubbish conditions like that and brilliant conditions like, uh, I don't know, like a North American, one of the North American races or, or any of the races. So just just shut up. Get on with it. You'd expect those kind of comments from someone who'd crashed or got injured, like Odomat, saying, I'm not sure he should be racing in these conditions, it's too dangerous. But you've just had, you know, solid first run, monster second run, won the race, and he said, I'm not sure he should be racing. Well, you've got got 100 more points in the overall, 100 more points in the GS. Yeah. Um, you know, yes, you don't want athletes to be put in a position where they could get hurt racing, but you do they that will, anyway. They will always have the possibility of being hurt racing. But, you know, it is GS. It's not downhill super G. Yes, they go very fast. Yes, it's a dangerous sport. And, you know, they do hold when you can't see far enough. Um, they, they, they do have start holds. Yeah, if, you you're, know, if you're worried about stuff like that, you should, you, you know, go, and, go and sit and play was, chess or something. It's a bit I frustrating. Don't I don't know whether it was just, you know, someone asking about the weather and bits and pieces, but... You know, basically you, me and everyone else you've had on the podcast has raced in far worse conditions than that Absolutely. over over the years. And it doesn't and we're not getting paid to do it. <laughs> and it doesn't mean it's okay and it doesn't mean it's not dangerous, but if the if you're there and you know, Fizz's job, yes, their job is to put on the races, but their job is also to, to make sure the athlete's safety isn't unduly at risk. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, it looked tough, but that's you know, you're the best in the world. That's exactly. what that's what so you're supposed to be doing. Get on with it. I don't know why he's got this chip on his shoulder. He's you know just get on with racing. You're one of the most talented ski racers there is. Just 
do it. It does seem to motivate him having yes. a chip on his shoulder. And he certainly does have that chip. We've seen it over the years. He gets super pumped up in the finish area um, when he has those really good second runs. Um, when other people are clapping when people come down and take the lead from them or, or come just behind them, they you smile and wink to the camera. Christofferson's lots of fist pumps and get-ins and yeah. just that literally... Just, just chest pumping like he's... Chest, huh? like, like he's, uh, I, I don't mean, know, sort of victim. Like he's a victim and, he, he's, and he's proving the world that he's good enough. He's a, he's, we know he's good enough. He is uh, a, a Viking after all. He well, just doesn't true. have the stature of some of his uh, Viking compatriots. Uh, so after those comments, um, Fizz had a little response... And it says uh, Marcus Waldner, who is the is the chief of the, the the men's fizz circuit. So he goes to all the fizz races and he makes sure that it's running properly and everything is as it should be and safety isn't you know overlooked because we're trying to race. And so Waldner uh, says uh, the director of so it says sorry excuse me it says after Alta Badia, Waldner the director has been very disappointed by Henrik who openly criticised at the press conference and said he wasn't happy with the course conditions. Apparently, the Norwegian head, head coach in Val also criticised the race conditions, and there are rumours now that Fizz could penalise the coach and the racer about talking in this vein. Yeah, I you need to be careful with these kind of things. Um, like we said, if the race got put on, Fizz are paying loads of money for the races, people are coming out to watch. If it is deemed safe enough, let's just let's just get on with it you know the i think i, I might have said at the start that the norwegian set the, the first run i think he said the second run he could have said i don't want to set the course is too dangerous yeah the, the yeah, coach well, still Henrik, said okay henrik can decide he's not going to race if he thinks it's too dangerous if he thinks he's going to end up being stretched off like odomay he can say this is this is ridiculous and if you really think it's unsafe make a stand you'll have athletes who are the representatives yeah. um that talk to fish you can say too often, I feel we are being put in races yeah. where it's unsafe for avenues to do it properly. It's all right for us to say it's fine, get on with it. We're not there. It's not our careers on the line. If they feel that they're being put in that position, you've got athletes representatives that exactly. go to the meetings with this. Use that as the avenue you're going to put this forward in. It's like when you start doing it in interviews. Things can get taken out of context. You'll just get a small clip sent across, and Fist may well then start taking, exactly. you know, it personally or take offence. And like I said if there's fines or any kind of um, disciplinary action taken, they don't don't take the risk. Just you know, win your races, be, take the money, ca- carry on take being awesome, yeah, yeah, and and let the athletes' representatives do do their jobs. That's why they get voted into these positions to to speak on behalf of the athletes to Fist. And so racing continued on Monday where we had the parallel GS sticking in Alta Badia and it was won by young Norwegian who's n- who's not won before. His name is Radmus Windingstad. He uh, skied against Stefan Lutz in the final. So Lutz was second. And then Roland Leitinger of Austria was in third place. It was uh, much better conditions than it had been the previous day in the Giants. Still not as good as it could have been. Um, that they would have wanted it to be, but it's as good as it could have been in the conditions, uh, and it was really tight. It's only 18 gates. It's only 21 seconds worth of racing, so any mistake is, you know, your your run is done, pretty much. Um, and Alexander Ormott Kilda won the qualifying run by half a second, which was huge. And if you consider that actually the whole of the top 32, which is the, the all the races that are allowed to compete that are qualified, was only separated by 1.15, and Kilda had 0.4 something, 4.6 of a, of a second on second place, shows how much dominance he has, but he just 
lost his outside ski in one of the turns, went inside. Similarly, Roland Leitinger, who was actually the quickest in the round of 32, actually set the quickest time in the head-to-head -head format, um, had one mistake and found himself in third. But it's all about consistency. Great to see Stefan Lutz back on the podium. Maybe that's the confidence boost he needs to start kicking on after the oxygen gate scenarios and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it was a cool event. I really, really like these head-to-head -head spectacles. I like the head-to-heads. They're, they're really enjoyable. I wouldn't have called it a GS. Um, no. You know, it's, yeah, it's, I see what you mean. I, I, I guess they're still on GS skis, though. They are still on, on GS skis. They're on GS skis. It looked very, very straight. Obviously, people are still making mistakes, so it's probably not as straight as it looked. Um, but there's not many pistes with floodlights wide enough for you to do, you know. Georgia, um, yeah, yeah, you know, 30-odd metre radius turns. But I do find those size turns are a little bit easier to take in than the slalom ones where there's panels flying everywhere, the double cross block. No one was double cross blocking no. uh, those those turns. Um, I quite enjoy it. You get a bit more speed. It's slightly easier to see what's happening. Um, and you know less crashes that you see a little bit of on those so I've, i thought it was quite a good quite a good like interesting discipline to watch really exciting like you were saying because you can be the fastest person but if you're not the f faster than the person you're going against every yeah. run it's, it does it doesn't matter so that was that was really good to watch it's a different uh sort of mental process because normally you're racing against the clock fastest time that wins and that's how you win or lose or you know wherever you place but actually I really like the head to head because I don't have to be that quick I just have to be quicker than you do you know what yeah. I mean so I think that's really interesting to you looking across dealing with the pressure that it is about seeing your competitors side by side and seeing them either a tiny bit in front or having to deal with the fact that you can sort of feel that they're just behind you you can see in your peripheral vision that they're getting closer and closer and I really really like that sort of mental fight and struggle and, and, and strong that you, the strength that you're going to have to have. Yeah, and, and multiple runs as well. Although they're only 20 seconds long, having enough in you to do four or five of those in a night... Yeah, I think, it's, it? I think it is five. I think it's five, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, tough. it's really tough work. And, and, you know, obviously you've got your tech guys as well, making sure if on one run your, your skis are gripping a bit too much or not enough, you've got to do just enough to win, then you've got to get to your technician, okay, okay for the next run... I need a pair with a little bit more of this or yeah. a little bit less of that. And it's, I, I mean, it'd be quite interesting to see a behind the scenes version yes. of, of what each race is doing with their technicians between yeah. runs. Yeah, really because that could, be, really that could be really awesome to watch the conversations that they have. I've seen a couple of like mini docs um, of, of where they talk about athletes and their kind of season long work with a technician. But it's because this discipline is so new, it'd be really awesome to yeah. see quite what they go through just in the space of one night. Um, so the race, the Parallel GS, was valid for World Cup Giant Slalom points and World Cup overall points. Uh, Christofferson finished in seventh, so extended his lead in the Giant Slalom standings and the overall standings. Uh, Tommy Ford, another disappointing outing for him down in 23rd, but Alexi Pantero, uh, he fell... So in the first round, so your, your first opponent, you do two runs, one on each course, uh, and then you're given your deficit after the first run, and your gate opens later or in front. 
it depending where you are obviously um, and you have to differently chase. and you have to chase so uh, he fell on the first run against one of the younger French guys and he um, mentally had half a second to try and make up and it was just too much he couldn't, he couldn't do it and finished down in 26th place so uh, another disappointing race for Pantera so as we said earlier he's very much hit or miss yeah, you know, just, true, it, yeah, yeah. just doesn't quite seem to be able to get it together um, I, I was quite impressed um, with uh, one of the um, races from River Radamus yeah, uh, he had one yeah, really good really good race uh, against uh, Kranich um, that was a first real sighting of, of what he can do obviously he came to the world champs with a lot of hype from winning everything in the world junior champs and, and being a bit of a monster we haven't quite seen it on the world cup yet yeah. he's still really young there's still a yeah. lot of time for him to build this so it's quite good seeing him in this head to head against against someone like Kranich who like you said earlier is right up there in the in the tour standings unfortunately he made a a big mistake in the next race and and, and pretty much crashed out but it was really good to see what he's got in store for us in in the coming years because he looks like a really exciting skier yeah dealt with the pressure really really nicely i think yeah well as as we're already expecting to see big things of him in in this future career off the back of like you say the the junior champs and and his performances at world cup finals um it'll be really interesting and that was a great sort of snapshot and how you know his hunger and his fight and his ability to deal with pressure yeah, um, as well as that, um, what do we reckon on how even the courses can be on there? Because it certainly looked like the very bottom of the red course seemed to have way more speed running into the finish because there were lots yeah. of times people came over the, the little jump uh, on the blue course with a bit of speed and then the person on the red, whether they were higher seeded or not, just always seemed to pull back time on that bottom section. It is set by lasers, so it is all very accurate in terms of the distance between every blue gate but also obviously then the distance between the opposing red um but obviously what you can't allow for is difference of snow conditions and difference of aspect in terms of as a slightly sharper roll but also on that blue gate that you were talking about there's a ever such a slight fall away which there isn't on the red course so it becomes really difficult and I don't know. Yeah, it was really tough because there's no chance you wanted to be on the blue because the blue was worse in terms of rats at the top and that fall away four gates from home on that right foot made it really difficult to stay in touch. So um, I don't know. Other than run it on an artificial slope? We've, I guess we've seen that with the um, city events where it's just a giant scaffold. But even then, one course seems to be a bit faster. But I think snow though, isn't it, as well? Because yeah. you, you, know, you get lucky with a you know harder compact snow under one foot that you don't get somewhere else we saw it in the actual gs in terms of the uh, different sections of the piece meant different snow conditions and therefore different ruts um i don't know it didn't look drastically different it wasn't like a case of i'm on the blue i'm never going to win yeah but it was a case of i'm on the blue it's probably going to be more tough for me to win yeah I'd, i'd rather be over on the red yeah but what can you do about it nothing i mean you know we grew up racing on Dry state doing dual slaloms where you wanted yeah. the course with more sprinklers on that side of the on that side of the run and those kind of things. Or less grass growing through the dendex or the one that's got less sheep poo. <laughs> All of those things are important Factors. to consider in dual slalom racing. Um, but yeah, so that was enough of the uh, race racing from the weekend. Real shame we missed the downhill. Real shame that the ladies didn't get to race at all. Um, and so 
The men's downhill that they missed from there has already been rescheduled onto Bormio, which we're about to talk about now. Um, but the ladies, they haven't figured out quite where they fit into the timetable for those races. So we'll, we'll bring you that when we find out. So, But the women are racing in Lienz in Austria and they're racing GS on Saturday the 28th and Slalom on Sunday the 29th. Um, it's it's a little bit nicer schedule running tech after Christmas because it means arrival is 27th, so you still get a bit of a break over Christmas period. And obviously, if you uh, if you're an out and out tech skier and you weren't over in Val d'Isère for the cancelled races, you've got a massive break and you can really um, rest, recover, and then start to train. You could probably do some technique adjustments over that period because you'll get some decent time on the training hills. Um, but GS. What are we expecting? Well, when I was looking through my picks, um, I was wondering, are we allowed to start picking Schifrin yet? Because surprisingly, she hasn't won a race in GS this year. She's almost I didn't ridiculous. It until you said it. Yeah, I mean, it shows how open it can be. We're, we're surprised when she, she doesn't win. But obviously we've had uh, Alice Robinson win, uh, Brignoni win, and Bassino uh, win. So... You know, I don't think you ever would have thought we'd get to Christmas and Schifrin wouldn't have run a, a, a GS by now. Obviously, she's still dominating in slalom and, and uh, right up there in the speed disciplines as well. But it's interesting. I, I, normally, I'd be picking Tessa and saying, <laughs> here we go. But she's she's skiing fast, but just doesn't seem to be able to put a whole run down, let alone two. There seem to be quite big mistakes in, yeah. in every run. Uh, the Italians look on fire. Two wins out of the out of the three races, and and um, yeah. and, and and you know Brinoni's had podiumed in in the race that she didn't win as well. So um, there's definitely quite a lot to pick from at the moment. So um, I think I'm going to go with 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 Brunoni. She seems to be on form and, and probably what you call the, the favourite at the moment. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and I'm sticking with the Italians, and I'm going to go Marta Bassino after taking her first World Cup win earlier on that you just talked about. I think the Italians are riding. Uh, sort of confidence crest of the wave at the moment and I feel that the between the two of them as well as Goggia uh, and the rest of the Italian team they're going places and, and don't underestimate the um, the sort of team success and how much that helps bring performances out uh, would I be surprised to see Schifrin win? No um, am I expecting to see her win no, which is actually Ooh. a real shame. I don't expect her to win the GS, um, which, I think, I, I think which is it, which is refreshing. She's definitely still got it, absolutely in in her. We just haven't quite seen her put it right yet. I mean, she looked pretty good in Killington. I think she came third there um, on on home snow. She looked in in solid form. We were just surprised that yeah. other people came through and, and beat her. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think obviously Schifrin, she's of course she's got it in there. She's normally yes, she dominates absolutely. everything she does. Um, yeah. And I think if someone has told her she hasn't won a GS yet, she will definitely be looking to put that yeah. right this weekend. Yeah, she's she's definitely going to have a fire underneath her. I think she um, talked about on social, well, the American Ski Association uh, put out an Instagram post about what was it they said? Oh, it's the uh, what happens when uh, you don't go to the race and. Uh, no one gains any points on you or something like yeah, that because so they, the races got cancelled. They're, they're sort of um, they're feeling a little smug in terms of you know deciding not to race, and then the weather made, it meant it was cancelled. Obviously, they'd made a tactical decision because 
it would have somebody would have encroached on on the lead of of her overall standings. I mean, are they really going to take it away from her in the, se- in, in the season long, long tour? Again, no, probably not. But the um, mother of all slumps or a very serious injury, which yeah. neither of which we can. Really so think I mean, I'm hoping to see her back. I'd really like to see her back to her best in GS, but. I, I'm really impressed with the state of, of giants, the ladies' giant slalom field with Vlahova, Alice Robinson, both Italian ladies that we just mentioned, as well as Goggia coming to the fore. Schifrin's still about. Worley has got the option to win. And then um, Holtman, you know, the Norwegians who pushed Brian only really close last time out. There's loads of ladies who and are Wendy in with the Holdner shot. Holdner, well. yeah, ex- yeah, nearly still forgot Wendy for that, Holdner. Still looking for that first win, but so, he's there or thereabouts in most of the races she's in at the yeah, moment. Yeah, so going to be a good, good weekend of giant slalom racing. Uh, and move to slalom on the Sunday. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it can't really look past Schifrin dominating based yeah. on everything she's done so far. Um, I, I feel kind of like... You can't really pick her in Slalom because it's too too predictable. So I went for uh, Nina Harva-Loseth, who's who's had a pretty solid start to the season uh, in the Slalom disciplines. Um, well, she's come back from injury as well and gaining, and she's gaining some r- real confidence off the back of that good giant Slalom form as well. So. Yeah, uh, Vlahova in GS has been um, pretty pretty strong so far this season as well. Um, I'm not really sure what the piece like uh, in in Lienz to see who it would suit more or less than anyone else, but generally that it's more about the set than the hill for for some of the tech disciplines. So yeah, I think Nina Harvelloseth will be will be good, but realistically, you're looking at some Schifrin dominance. In yeah, uh, I, again, I'm on board with that. I I I think Schifrin's going to win. I I feel like the difference between Giant Slalom and Slalom for her is just that Slalom is in her sleep. It's it's so natural. innate, isn't yeah. it? She's she's got that covered, I think. So I, I think Schifrin's going to win in reality, but I, I'm going to, as a little outsider, I'm going to go Holdner. She's got to get that win. Well, she skied, on, she skied well at uh, in Courchevel. Um, confidence she seems to turn turned a corner in terms of her mentals, mental. Uh, she uh, she seems approach. right there. She seems right on the edge. I think it just doesn't help having. Schiffer in there because she probably could have won four yeah. or five races. Yeah, exactly. uh, over to the men. So the men have got an extra downhill on this program after Valgardena being cancelled. So the men race downhill Friday, downhill Saturday, Alpine combined on the Sunday, which is a super G within the Alpine combined. So downhills. What do you think we're going to be able to take from the Boxing Day training run? Oh, yeah, it's tough, isn't it? That's, yeah, Boxing Day training run, which means arrival is going to be Christmas Day night How, what are the odds there's going to be any accommodation well, <laughs> sleeping in their vans out the back yeah private I mean, Bormio, Winnebago's yeah uh, Bormio's relatively big so I think they'll have they'll have the space and um, it's good that they're getting an extra win it, I guess it's a little bit like the footballers you know they they're always competing on a boxing on boxing day so the skiers are doing it too kind of used to it they know that that's the programme yes they've lost can you imagine you won't be able to take much from the times though I've been full up on Christmas dinner from the day before well, a few people just go hey, I'll take the bottom section easy well yeah. that, not an awful lot of time <laughs> that you could take any of Bormio uh, no. easy um, um, so picks Wh- where are we going what are we saying so because we've got two downhills I'll do two picks so Foyt's uh, will be one he's 
podiums and wins for fun in downhill, um, although did pick up an injury in training, as you mentioned, uh, fractured that uh, uh, metacarpal, so hopefully pushing out of the gates not going to be too hard for him. Um, downhill shouldn't really matter that much. You just have to hope that he's not dragging his hand on the floor, yeah. um, causing himself too much pain. So I said foot to one, and after that bit of a turnaround in form, um, I had Jansrud, uh uh, as my other downhill pick. Okay, um, I like where your head's at. I'm going to go Kilda because I think that it's going to be rough and ready, a bit mental down there. Um, and I think he's bang on, bang on form uh, and I'm ready for him to stick another World Cup win in his back pocket. Uh, and I'm going to say Dominic Paris hasn't had it his own way this so far this season, but... He lives and breathes that place. Yeah, he picked up the, I think it was fifth or so in the Super G. Yeah. Um, only 0.36 And that was yeah. after that 40-minute wait. So clearly his skiing's okay, even if it kind of distracted him a bit. Yeah. Like you said, he's, you know, Dominic Paris, Innerhofer, Peter Field. Those guys love racing um, uh, in, in Bormio. I mean, you could see something as well from, from the Austrians. They've had a pretty good start to the year in speed. Uh, Matthias Meyer's been there or thereabouts and a few, obviously, Creekmeyer did brilliant in the in the super g the other day so there's lots going on i mean the the french could pop a surprise you know clara yeah, seems to be having a surprisingly well, good um, yeah surprisingly good uh, start to the season kind of flying through certain sections yeah. it's just can you hang on for dear life bouncing around Bormio? <laughs> yeah well Bormio, that's welcome to the jungle isn't it that's proper <laughs> that's proper down there uh alpine combined with a super g so it's a super g alpine combined which is on sunday I definitely don't think you can look past Pantero at the moment. He's surprisingly had his podium in uh, Super G and then won a slalom. So in in theory, that should be him sorted. But like, is he fourth? Um, So you know he's he's got solid results in both. Yeah, and he has won overall titles before so he he should be doing. But like I said, he has been hit and miss. So no, my luck would probably be thirteenth. Um. I'm struggling to pick a winner here, but I have thought about the change in order. Yeah. So it's now, in theory, favours the speed skiers a little bit more because the order that you finish the speed run, which is supposed to be first, is the order you start the slalom run in. So, um, which should mean that the speed skiers obviously should win the, the speed section and then it should be them going down first on a clean track in slalom. So and all the ruts in the wrong places for yeah, the slalom skiers. Exactly. So I'm not sure and I'm I'm gonna name three and then I'm gonna have to hang my hat <laughs> on one. I'm gonna say um Matthias Meyer, I'm gonna say Kriegmeyer, I'm gonna say Paris. Ooh uh, we've seen some we've seen some great slalom runs from Paris going down yeah. 29th and 30th. Yeah, but you know, all of a sudden now he's going to be going down first or right at the sharp end. So um Meyer. I reckon Matthias Meyer. I'm trying to record if I've seen him race slalom. He would have done it in an Olympic combined or something. Oh, like he, he loves the slalom. He loves it. <laughs> he loves it. Proper downhill slalom skier. Brilliant. Good days out. It'll be quite fun watching those guys go all at the start because you'll gradually see people's feet getting faster and faster as you work your way through yeah, the 30. Exactly. You're like, oh, this looks really difficult, this slalom, and then come 30. But oh no, it's really easy. Yeah. yeah <laughs> the big exactly. guys just make it look a lot harder. I don't know what they're complaining about. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think that's all, that's all we've got time for. We just need to hope for some clear skies 
We've had so oh, much yeah. trouble with wind, fog, snowstorms, everything so far this year. We could just do some some clear weather and get some races off without too much hassle. Yeah, yeah. Well, fingers crossed. Uh, so, just leaves us to say Merry Christmas. And have a good Christmas, guys. Yeah, and we will see you on the other side in Bormio and Lienz. That's all we've got time for. Bye for now. <laughs>